Yeah, who this sound like? Yeah, we dropping the mic, mic. Yeah, all in your timeline. Uh, all in your mind, mind. Whoa, cover the court out of brine. I'm the greatest, no debate. Yeah, cover the field with a rhyme. Dropping the mic at they place. Yeah, who this sound like? Yeah, we dropping the mic, mic. Yeah, all in your timeline. All in your mind, mind. Cover the court like LeBron. I'm the greatest, no debate. Yeah, cover the field with a rhyme. Dropping the mic at they place. Yeah, dropping the mic like I'm feels. I could care less how you feel. Yeah, discussing the new deals. On the stand, we keep it real. Yeah, hot takes too. Yeah, uh, we gon' let it brew. Uh, yeah, we all in the news for keeping it real and keeping it true. You are listening to the best sports talk show, period. Yes, indeed, this is Dropping the Mic. I am your host, LaRon Fields, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brenton Wilson. We are recording from the Alamo Top Realty Studios. If you're ever in the market to buy or sell a home, log on to www.alamotoprealty.com. Click on Agents, find me, LaRon Fields, and I'm pretty sure I can assist you with anything you need. In this episode of Dropping the Mic, we are prepared to talk about hot sports news. Happenings ranging from NBA, WNBA, NCAA football, and basketball. Oh, we got a special treat for you. We talking about the serve with Brent. We're talking tennis, U.S. Open, and of course, NFL. Brent, what is good with you this week, my man? What's going on, world? I'm ready for another hot episode of Dropping the Mic. Like we a hey, deeper into the NBA playoffs. Like he said, U.S. Open coming in hot, one of my favorite sports. So it's another beautiful week in sports, and we about to break it all down for everybody. All right, Brent, I see you. I feel you. You ready? You ready? You ready? Okay, well, let's get this started, right? Let's start off with our dropping the mic rumblings. And what is that? That's just little news tidbits here and there. Up first, we got to pay homage to my man, John Thompson Jr. This man was iconic. He was legendary. He was influential and definitely inspirational. He was, he was the first African-American black male to win an NCAA title in 1984. He has ushered in many NBA athletes. Most notably, people of this generation would know Allen Iverson. Uh, Allen Iverson credits him for saving his life. Um, but you know Patrick Ewan, Lonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo. We can go on and on and on. When he stopped coaching, he went into the, the booth and he was a commentator and he always dropped nuggets of knowledge. My own personal story is I got to be in the presence of this man out in Las Vegas when I used to do AU basketball coaching and he walked in and it just was that the sto- the show would stop like his presence was larger than life. He was every bit of six foot 10. Um, I paid homage to him. I used to coach basketball and I would bring the white towel over the shoulder because that's growing up. I remember seeing John Thompson. He had the towel. And for me, he'll be missed. Rest in heaven. And um, his legacy will live on forever. Brent, you, you wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about him, but also Luke Olson, who also passed away this past week. Yeah, John Thompson, first off, what he did for Allen Iverson and so many players, it's, it, you don't have to speak on it. It's, it's just known in the sports world. You just respect it. You hit on everything legendary about him, so I won't go too much deeper. But I do want to jump over to Mr. Luke Olson, rest in peace, what he did for Arizona basketball. He made him relevant. Like, what you the expect, expectation for Arizona basketball now that we can't get to was set up with Lou Dolson. I mean, just think about it. He had Sean Elliott, Steve Kerr, Mike Bibby, Damon Stoudemire. Gilbert Arena said he changed his life. You know, just think of what he did. The guy was, he was a really nice laid back guy that just, he just breathed winning. So his culture was built on winning, teams playing together. Like, what do you think about college sports? You want the team to play together. You know, you get to the pros, you know, it's individuals, it's superstars. College is about the team sport. Lou Dolson embraced team sports. He wanted everybody to have a role, everybody's character to shine on his team. So rest in peace, Lou Dolson, and thank you for what you did for Arizona basketball. You know, shout out to, they used to call it Midnight, Midnight Lou because he would creep in in that middle of the night and he'd still recruit to make his team better. He, he, every time I saw him, he always looked like he fit in Arizona. Speaking of together though, Brent, let's move on to our next topic. Big 10 news, they're back in the news. We've heard everything from the president talking to the Big Ten commissioner. We've seen parents suing the Big Ten. We've seen Nebraska people losing their mind, Ohio State's fans losing their mind. But I can't wrap my head around facts. Fact is, you're mad at the wrong people, but you shouldn't even be mad. It's a pandemic. We've said this time and time again on the show. So it comes out this week 
that not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but 11 out of the 14 Big Ten presidents and chancellors voted 11 to three to postpone fall season sports. And the concern was for the health, safety, and wellness of the student athletes. Sounds logical, sounds reasonable. Yet the unlogical and the non-reasonable folks always want to beat their chest. Right? You would think this put it to rest, right? Hey, 11 to 3, and the reason was health, safety, and wellness of the student athlete. That puts it to bed. Like, what else could they possibly say than, hey, we respect this pandemic. We don't have control over it yet. There's no vaccine. We're going to wait. Take care of the student athlete first. We, we want college football to be about the student athlete. We can go down a lot of paths about them getting paid for their likeness and things like that. This seemed to be a move for the student athlete. So the Big Ten, you would think, would be happy about this and move on and like, hey, they did the right thing here. Moving on, man. I, I can't even beat the drum anymore. In other <laughs> NCAA news, um, we heard about Jamar Chase from LSU opting out. He's going to prepare for the NFL. Good on his part. This is a wasted year. You're not really going to win a championship. You're rebuilding. But just in, the, in and of itself, this is going to be the asterisk season anyway because you only have three Power Five conferences playing. Then today we find out Jamie Newman of Georgia opts out, who is projected to be the starting quarterback. He, too, is citing uncertainty, but he likes to prepare for the NFL draft. I'm certain that there's been enough players opt out keeping their best interest in mind. How do you feel about that, Brent? You got seven of, you got seven of the top 20 preseason All-Americans opting out. I mean, I get it. I get it with, with, the, with the pandemic, like we've talked about, and then, you know, preparing for the draft. It makes sense. I just felt it was kind of late for Newman. I'm like, man, I feel like they were just about to name you the starter any day. And right now, I'm just like, the timing wasn't ideal. But, hey, when a kid sits down and thinks about his future and makes a decision, you got to respect it. I got a question for you. What do you think JT Daniels can do out of USC? Because, I mean, he's underachieved at USC. Now he's here. Do you think now that he's probably the starter, do you expect big things? Or do you think it takes Georgia a step back? Because, you know, they're a top 10 team with a chance of making the college football playoff. Do you think they take a step back with Daniels now? Uh, no, I think they keep it moving. Again, you, you forget that for the longest, Georgia didn't really have good quarterbacks. They had great talent around the quarterback. They had a good running game, and they made a few plays here and there in the passing game, and they had a tough defense. I don't see that changing. Jake Fromm did nice things. He wasn't the best quarterback, but nobody ever said he set them back. I don't think JT Daniels sets them back at all. They even have the 2021 top three quarterback recruit coming in the next year. Uh, they have a couple dudes that are on scholarship on roster now, so they'll be fine. In college, you can get away with a basic serviceable quarterback. They don't have to always be the hero that we make them out to be so long as you have weapons. And we know that Georgia has weapons, even though they just suffered an injury with Blaylock. He's, he's out. But they'll be fine. They're in the SEC and they get big recruits. All right, let's talk about the newest news that we have from NCAA sports and this men and women's basketball. This week, they announced they expect to start the season November 25th. I, me, personally, I don't ever get excited about college basketball until like January 10th when you're like the second round of conference. So if they're able to get in games, kudos to them. I don't see how they're going to get all these games in. Um, I know the NCAA has opted to minimize the amount of games played to make the tournament. I'm almost like, hey, y'all do conference only, do a conference tournament. You can bubbleize that and then go straight into March Madness and bubbleize that. What do you think, Brent? I agree. I agree with you for sure. I'm, I mean – any date they picked would have been okay, long as they were going to start the season. But I'm like you, I, I even, I'm even a little bit later. I wait till later in the conference in probably February. Then we start getting closer to the conference tournaments. And then you start, start building my foundation for who I feel like can make a run in March Madness. What's the six seed? The eight seeds I think will get in that can make a run, things like that from the big conferences. Then you start like the small schools like Dayton, what they're doing. And I, so I start picking it all up around February anyway. So as long as they start, I'm good. Because by the time it's time to start getting prepared, they'll be in full swing when we need them to be anyway. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, on to some other news in the National Football League that's earth-shattering, kind of head-scratching and mind-boggling. Is there trouble in the Big Easy? Yes, there is. Alvin Kamara is holding out. He'll be back at practice, but he's let it be known he wants a better contract. I can't blame the man. This man's been the Pro Bowl three straight years, 2,000 yards rushing, 2,000 yards receiving, You've paid everybody on that team. You even paid a 
backup quarterback that doesn't even play backup quarterback. He's a Swiss Army knife. More money than Kamara. And you going to trip on Kamara? Dude, this is the one part spot where management and sports has to make the right decisions. They're thinking about the whole team, but this man is a big part of your team. I even saw some reports. I don't know about you, Brent. I saw some reports. They were saying, ah, yeah, you know, he's nice, but he's not the whole team. But he's a very integral part of the team. Yeah, you 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 say he's a, he's not the whole team. Yeah, nobody's the whole team. But hey, you want to lose one of your best weapons? That's like saying, hey, we don't need Gronk in his prom or something. He's not the whole team. Or we don't need Julio Jones. He's not the whole team. No, Alvin Kamara is an impact player every possession he's on the field. You don't try to downgrade a player that's that impactful. You figure it out. And like you said, with the backup quarterback and everybody else getting more money than Kamara, you sit down, you get a deal done. You don't lose a player in his prom that's this good. It just doesn't make sense. I'll give you one better, right? It's like how – Drew Brees isn't the quarterback he once was, but you still paid that man $25 million. Like, I would have gave him $5 million. You don't know if he's going to make it the whole season. But I digress, Brent. I digress. We're, we're going to leave that topic. We're going to put a pin in it right there, and we'll pick up and find out if there's more later on the show about New Orleans Saints and Alvin Kamara. All right, now moving on to the serve with me, Brenton Wilson, getting to bring in one. We're going to talk about the U.S. Open. We finally got some tennis, and it's exciting to get one of the major – sports tournaments going because I mean tennis if you don't know it's four major tournaments U.S. Open is one of the biggest uh it's a little different this year they took the bubble concept no fans and uh Nadal didn't make it over which is a big loss for the men's side Federer out with knee surgery that's a big one so you know the big three in tennis have been always been Federer, Nadal and Djokovic so Djokovic on the men's side is the heavy favorite heavy favorite he was a favorite anyway because if, if people don't know before COVID he hadn't lost a match all year so he's coming to the U.S. Open undefeated he just won a Masters 1000 title, which is the second tier tournament right under the majors. He just won that to tie Nadal for the most in the history of men's tennis. He's right on the cusp for catching Nadal and Federer in majors. So this is a big step for him. And um, without with, uh, Nadal and Federer out, the big dark horse is Dominic Team. If you don't know about him, he's been top 10 player. Almost beat Nadal at the French on clay, which never happens. Challenged Djokovic a few times. So I think he's a dark horse on the men's side. In American news for it, John Isner, first-round loss. The guy we keep saying may bring us some glory, something close to Andy Roddick, another first-round exit. So we won't have an American win it this year. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there now. I don't think that's a surprise, but at least, hey, at least we know now. And then biggest American news on the women's side, Serena Williams. Been trying for, what, eight tournaments or more to try to catch Margaret Court for 24 major titles, the most in the history of the sport, men's or women's. Let me make that clear, men or women. So the most ever. She finally, she has a great chance because a couple players not playing due to the virus and things like that. The number one seed on the women's side was just upset. Carolina Pliskova just got knocked out. So she has a clear path. Her sister out early in the first round, which is not a surprise. I think Venus is close to retiring, but this is her biggest chance to catch up and get those 24 titles. Hopefully later, one in the next year, she can go ahead and break the record and become the – she's already the greatest women's player ever, but let the titles show it with the skill set, and then you have no question. So well, I'm going to put a wrap on there for tennis, the U.S. Open, and when we come next week, it will be back into the second round, coming close to the men's and women's championships. So we have more news coming on tennis next week. Introducing a new segment called The Spread. We're not talking about food. We're not talking about butter. We're talking about betting. We're talking about – Gaming, gambling, however you want to call it, this is for entertainment purposes only. So don't run out, don't call your bookie, which you shouldn't have anyway, and don't run to a sports book, which they're popping up all over now with all these legislative moves happening. I, I can't wait for them to get to Texas. Wake up, Texas. But I digress. Start with college football and only college football this week. We got a five-pack for you. South Alabama at Southern Mississippi. Southern Mississippi is favored by 15 points with a total of 53. Myself, if I were a betting man, I'm laying the 15 points, and I'm saying this game is going over. Nobody's practiced. Nobody's played defense. Up next, Middle Tennessee versus Army. Home game for Army. Army's favored by five. Total, 54-5. Uh, Middle Tennessee hasn't played Army in a while, if ever, and it's hard to prepare for the triple option. I'm taking the minus five laying it with Army, and I'm going over because they may run about, I don't know, 12 touchdowns on Middle Tennessee State with that triple option. Up next, 
SMU heads down to Texas State, San Marcos, Texas. The big Power Five school going down, or not Power Five, group of five school going down to an FCS opponent or a smaller D1 Sunbelt school, however you want to mince it. Texas State is favored to lose by 20.5 points. The total over under is 66 and a half. SMU knows how to fire that ball around the field, bigger versus smaller. I'm laying the 20, taking SMU, and I'm going point total over 66 and a half. Arkansas State versus Memphis. This is supposed to be the game of the week when it comes to just flat out scoring from both teams. I won't call this game even, but I will say I'm taking Arkansas State. I'm taking the points, 19 points for Arkansas State, and I'm going over the 71 and a half for the total. The game of the week, the game to watch, which will be on ESPN on Monday at 7 p.m. Central, is Navy versus BYU. This game will be played at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Keep it locked. It's an unusual game we'd probably never see on a Monday, Labor Day weekend. We've seen the Florida States, the Miamis, the Alabamas, the Georgias, and those top-rated schools. So this is going to be a little bit different. It's BYU versus Navy. Uh, I'm going with Navy just like I'm going with Army. This game's a little bit closer, though. They have Navy only – they have Navy minus one. So I'm going I'm to give BYU the one point. Normally it's minus three at home, field goal game difference. But I'm going to take Navy. And the total is 53. I'm going to go under. BYU knows how to play defense. And they'll play enough to slow them down. Navy still wins the game. So I've got Navy. I got Arkansas State. I got SMU. I got Army. And I got Southern Miss. Keep a lock. Check back next week. See where I was right. See where I was wrong. See how this thing goes down. If you love college football like I do, then you know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Do you feel me? And now for your WNBA news, we're talking about the ladies. Let's update you a bit what's been going on in the W. Some awards, they've been handed out. We have Rookie of the Month, Crystal Dangerfield. She's been averaging 18 points per game with 3.5 assists per game. Coach of the Month, Bill Lambeer leading the Las Vegas Aces to a first-place ranking in the league. With that comes player success, right? Aja Wilson has been named Player of the Month, as well as Courtney Vandersloot, who just dropped a record 18 dimes in a game. So moving on to power rankings, we're down to five. The top five teams in the W, right? We have playoff spots that have been clinched by Las Vegas Aces, Seattle Storm, Los Angeles Sparks, Minnesota Lynx, and the Chicago Sky. All five teams are already locked in their berth, and the power rankings are just that, power. The Vegas Aces are still at number one. Seattle is at number two. Los Angeles Sparks are down a spot, now into three. They previously held number two, and the Minnesota Lynx are up a spot, previously at number five, with Chicago Shy taking that over. Chicago Sky is hanging on desperately, um, They've, they've been depleted by injuries, people. And they're the best team in the East, so they're going to make the playoffs regardless. Last week's game of the week, we talked about the storm in the sky. It would be a matchup to watch. Well, the sky kept getting hurt, so it wasn't as glorious as we wanted it to be. Seattle steamrolled the, the sky 88-74. They were led by Brianna Stewart. She led the way with 21 points, eight rebounds. They also had a big game from Natasha Howard, who stepped up and dropped 15 points and had 17 rebounds. Um, Chicago had some, a glimmer of hope on their squad was Clea Cooper. She was a lone bright spot for the sky. She had 19 points and six rebounds. This week's game of the week, though, is this Friday. It's going to be the Seattle Storm versus the Los Angeles Sparks. This will be a heavyweight matchup. This will be Friday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's only on the WNBA League Pass, though. Hopefully they can write this wrong. This is where the NBA's, WNBA has got to get better and put their games of the week, their featured games, the heavyweight matchups, and be able to get fluid to shift coverage over. I know we're in the thick of it with NBA, but this is one of those games that people would want to watch. So that's your WNBA news for the week. Keep it locked and keep listening to it because the ladies deserve their shot. Next up, NFL news. Oh, we are almost there. We are eight days away from the kickoff, Texans versus Chiefs. Everything's wrapping up. This, this Saturday is the culmination of the 53-man roster. This, that afternoon on Saturday, teams have to designate their 53-man and then announce their 16 
practice squad players. Notice I said 16. Normally it's 10. They're expanding it. They also made a couple caveats to where veterans can be on there due to the COVID situation. They don't want people to have to come in and wait three days to test or try out. So it's a good thing. But we're at that point, Brent, man. How are you feeling about the season about to start? I'm excited. Kind of we touched on it a little bit earlier. I'm like, I, it wasn't going to be a season. I was like, I'm not going to get excited. I'm not going to get ready. COVID's going to mess up. Hey, they seem to be following some type of protocols enough to get to the point where we're close. We had not anything major setback. We're getting close to NFL football. Yeah, I mean, it's, come it's, on now. It's, when you hear exciting. NFL football, everybody gets excited. It's the NFL. It, you know, we get to see these these top players coming out of college, get to see what they can do, make their mark. We're going to see a different structure with the COVID going on, but we're still going to see an NFL football, see some of these stars shine, see if these veterans, Phillip Rivers, Brady got it. I'm excited about this NFL. Hey, good, good points there. I'm glad you brought that up because we are going to see new faces and new places. We're going to see if the hype's all the hype. We've been talking. We did our NFL preview and predictions on our bonus podcast. We have part one and part two. Make sure you check that out. And it's just going to be interesting because there's some divisions that are so loaded from top to bottom. And there's some, some teams that have been downtrodden that are maybe up, like the Arizona Cardinals. They've, they've got pieces. They've added some pieces. And despite bad management, they may have a chance to shock the world. Um, we have some, some teams that always come in overhyped around the time. You're like the Cowboys. They may be able to su- sustain that success. We shall see. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why it's the NFL and nothing's for long, and we'll see. We'll see if anybody can knock the Chiefs off their throne. We'll see if Baltimore's for real, if they're just a regular season juggernaut. But that leads me into something else, right? When it gets to this 53-man roster, teams start making decisions that may raise your eyebrows. We've already seen two this week, right? We've seen Leonard Fournette get cut. Just recently, Mohamed Sanu got cut from the Patriots. So those people are looking for landing spots. We don't know if it's going to take a little longer now that we're in COVID. Uh, we know Earl Thomas. We talked about him on, on the show before. He got cut from the Ravens. He still hasn't been signed. We don't know how this is going to work. Today, they announced a couple of potential trade candidates. We know Josh Rosen of Miami may be the odd man out because you got Tua and you got Fitzpatrick. You got Malcolm Brown with the Los Angeles Rams, who may be the odd man out. As Brenton alluded to on the NFL preview, Cam Akers may be the guy to take his spot. You have Gerald Henderson. You have other guys there that could do the thing. John Ross in Cincinnati. This man never stays healthy. He's so fragile. He catches the ball, gets hit, he's done. Jalen Samuels. Deshaun Hamilton. They were hopefuls, but they haven't lived up to their potential. And with Judy coming in Denver, with Cortland, with Sutton coming in Denver, you don't need Deshaun Hamilton. They even got K.J. Hamler. They, they got options. They don't need him anymore. Curtis Samuel in, in, Curtis Samuel in Carolina, he's, he hasn't really panned out to what they need, so he's potentially gone. Gerald Everett tied in for the Rams. There's names that are good quality players. They just no longer fit with their teams. So what would be shocking to you, Brent, to see any of these guys traded or released? Well, well I'm going to go down the path of what is shocking to me. Sanu is, is shocking to me. Because he wasn't healthy last year, first of the Patriots. He got healthy this summer, worked out hard. I mean, and then when Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, first person to reach out to was Sanu. They got some workouts together. They, they looked really sharp. I kept up with them. He's all working out with Edelman. So I thought they had built a bond. So I'm like, hey, receiver, quarterback bond is big, right? You got to trust your receiver. He was working that direction. So when I saw him get released, that one caught me off guard. So I guess that's the biggest one to me so far. I'm just like, why would we cut Sanu if he was healthy? And when nothing going on that we don't know about, I, this is weird. This is a weird one to me. I, I don't ever question Belichick. I make that clear. But this one, it just didn't seem to follow how the storyline had been developing with the relationship between Newton and Sanu. So I'm well, interested to see how it plans out. You, you know, Bill Belichick, I, I, mean, I don't know if it's a money thing. It's like, hey, look, we can't restructure your contract. We got to cut you. Because you're right. They, they don't have a deep receiving core. Um, this could be one of those things where maybe he just got re-injured or maybe he's – you know, they want to bring him back later. I Maybe want to put him in practice. I don't know. Like, this one does seem a little weird to, like you said, the chemistry was being built. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue on a Wednesday, it's like, oh, he's gone. Or maybe they were just like, okay, we want to give you time to find another team. I don't know. Maybe he requested to be released. This is just curious to me. You're, you're right. All those other guys I mentioned, I wouldn't be shocked if they got cut or traded. They're more likely going to be cut than traded because the NFL is starting to get saturated with talent all over the field. I don't know where Josh Rosen would even fit, even as a backup. Like, what's, what team could you think of? That, oh, yeah, they need him. Uh, I, I couldn't think one off the top of the head. So, for me, 
hey, I, I see these candidates getting cut and picked up later in the season. So with that being said, we had some people being named starter, and that's not too shocking. Two quarterbacks announced as starters. Tyrod Taylor for the Los Angeles Chargers. We knew that was coming. And Dwayne Haskins for the Washington football team. We sort of knew that was coming because what are your options? You have um, pretty much Dwayne Haskins, right? You got to give him the shot to, to, to roll. Alex Smith, yes, he's, he's been cleared to play, but I don't know if you trust that, if he's ready for an actual game yet. And then again, Kyle Allen, he may be there to be the player coach to help Haskins get back right. And then you, you got to roll the, the dice with Haskins because you need to know if you need to keep going with him or eject and pick up someone else. Now, we mentioned earlier Alvin Kamara, right, Brent? How do you feel about, A, the situation for Alvin Kamara? But I'm going to list off eight potential landing spots. And you tell me which one's intriguing for you. First one, your New England Patriots. They're at the top of the list as far as intriguing spots. Number two is Miami. They got tons of cap space and they have a future first round they can get rid of. New York Jets, they got Bell, but maybe they swap them. You got Buffalo. They don't have a standout running game. They have some pieces, some parts. Singletary may lose his job to Zach Moss by midseason. Green Bay, they don't have enough weapons on offense. Maybe they just need another weapon because, again, Kamar can get out the backfield. He can get lined up in the slot. All you have is Green and the rookie, Dylan. You got the Los Angeles Rams. They don't have that stud back that gives them that freaking nature type explosiveness. They got a bunch of pieces and parts. Then you got Tampa Bay, who doesn't have a running back period. I don't care if you tell me LaShawn McCoy, he's like 50 years old. And then you got Ronald Jones, who decided to pick it up the last four games of the season last year. Don't know if I can trust that. And then you got the Washington football team, who doesn't have a running back at all, except for Adrian Peterson, who's found the fountain of youth. What spot would you want to see Kamara in? So I have two. I have two places okay. I could see him. And, and the reason I'm leaving out some, like Washington teams like that, the Jets, because they're not going to be very successful. So, I mean – He's, he's a great pickup for anybody, right? But that's, that's obvious, right? But Definitely. I'm looking for who he can go to and actually be really impactful. So I'm like, Buffalo Bills, they got a stout defense, right? Mm-hmm. Stout defense, solid quarterback. You throw a running back that can run and play off the backfield that's just like a superstar, like Kamara with the Bills, I think that puts them over, over the Patriots in the division. I had the Patriots winning it, but I think he can have that type of impact. So that, that's a huge one for him just because of the impact he brings to a spot that they really could use. And then, of course, the Buccaneers. Because like you said, they don't got a running back. Like you said, LaShawn McCoy, you could say it, but they don't have a running back. We talked about Brady being outside of his prime, right? He can't make the deep throws. Mike Evans is great deep, but can Brady make all those throws? He's, that's just not his game. He's a dink and dump type quarterback, right? He plays smart with the weapons he has. Give him a weapon out the backfield – that could they be a James White on steroids, basically, level? Because, I mean, he had James White, you know, and he had a lot of good receivers. I mean, good uh, running backs that can be like receivers. This is a superstar running back that can catch out the backfield like a receiver and run the ball. So I think those two teams, you put them on Tampa Bay or Buffalo, he puts them over the top. That's how I feel about it. So I'm going to stay in the state of Florida, but it's not going to be Tampa. If Miami Dolphins have the guts and the gumption, you pull that trigger hard you give up the first round draft pick this year next year and then you extend the man you put him in Miami they have weapons on offense Brian Flores has got that team geared up on defense this would be that thing that puts you over the hump it may even make you better than Buffalo and it dang sure helps put a dent in New England ever resurging again with a consistency right they no longer have a stranglehold on the the division it would make you an instant playoff team because you're trending in the right area and they have the salary cap. So the thing for me is it's one thing to talk about landing spots and what's cute and all what would look nice. Right. But it has to have a fit. You have to have the draft capital to spend. Miami has it. That's a check. And you have to have the salary cap to get his new contract done in Miami has that. So these other teams, they just sound nice. The Rams don't have a salary cap. Tampa doesn't have a salary cap. I, I disagree with you on Washington. I think Washington would help. That would, that would help neutralize them in the division. That would put them closer to Philly. You get a dynamic back like that. You got Terry McLaughlin. It helps to win Haskins grow. The defense is already getting better. You got Chase Young. You got some pieces. You got Ron Rivera. He knows how to use a running back like that. He just had McCaffrey, so he knows how to use him. He's not afraid of that. So to me, it's Miami and Washington. You two have to step up, run up, and go get this man. And if the Saints are dumb enough, let them be dumb enough. That's their problem, you know? Like – don't fight the feeling, but I would spend the money on this because for two reasons, 
other than the ones I mentioned, it's COVID era, right? College football is in flux. Would you rather have a college running back coming out that didn't play for a year or Alvin Kamara? And if I have to waste two first-round draft picks to get that man, it's, it's similar to what uh, the Seahawks did for Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is going to be better than any college guy we get at 28, 29, 30. And they've bombed on those picks every time. So that's just my take. As far as NFL, it's a wrap for this week because we're just getting prepared for the following week where we make our first predictions on the NFL season. What you got, Brent? But before you move on, hey, when, when I had to get you about the Rockets, when I say you were wrong on that, making the playoffs, I got to throw one your way. You, I get to let you call me out on one. When, I, when we talked about the uh, Chargers, I was like, no, I think it's a quarterback battle. I was pretty confident. I'm like, I don't know if Hair is going to start or have a chance. And you was like, no, it's Tyrod's Taylor job. is locked in. Write it down. I was like, how are you that sure? They came out and said, it's Tyrod's Taylor's job. They want him to be the starter all year. Let Hair Bear develop. We don't want him to play. So I'm going to throw you this one because you called it. And when I saw it, I'm like, he was right. I got to give the man credit when it's due. So I want to give you your credit before we move on. I feel like I'm being set up, but y'all keep it locked. Keep listening because I know this man just set me up on some kind of give and go, pick and roll, some kind of I'm not going to help you out on the floor. We're not knock you down. So keep it locked. We keep listening to the dropping the mic. We're still here, baby. That was the NFL segment. We're on to the NBA next. And we save the best for last. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the National Basketball Association. It's playoffs. We just wrapped up the first round with the exception of a game that's going on tonight as we record, dropping the mic. It's a game seven between somebody's Houston Rockets and my Houston Rockets and the OKC Thunder. I'm not trying to be emotional, Brent. I want to be factual. So here's what I'm going to say. And it pains me to say this. In this game seven, my friend, the Rockets will win by 35 points. They will make 23 pointers by halftime. This game won't even be close. It pains me, but that's, that's my objectivity of the situation. We've already seen game seven from Denver and Utah. It was lackluster from a scoring perspective, which you could only understand because you can only drop 40 and 50 points in so many games and have anything left in the chamber. That was a straight out heavyweight fight last night. We know the Clippers and Dallas series had a little testiness to it. That series is over. Lakers versus Portland. That was a series for some people's hopes and dreams, and it didn't come to fruition. Charles Barkley. That series <laughs> is over. Milwaukee, Orlando. That series, similar to the Lakers. That series is over. Now we're on to round two. Rhett, what are your thoughts on round one, though? Yeah, before we go there, let me talk about – let me get my OKC Houston. So if we go back a few podcasts, what did I say? OKC in seven. If the people go back and listen, I said OKC in seven from the beginning. So I'm going with emotions on this pick because from what I've seen, do I feel OKC is the better team? No. But do I feel they're going to win game seven? I'm sticking with my pick. And James Harden, it's not the Western Conference Finals, so it's not a lot of pressure. But game seven is his own pressure. It's his own moment, right? So is Harden going to show up? Or are we going to get the Harden that we've known in big games to choke Miss take settle for bad threes and never change his game. Is Westbrook gonna be a little aggressive, like the pass he made to lose game six out of bounds? Is he gonna be that Westbrook or is he gonna be under control? I think the the Thunder know how to go. We go through Chris Paul, we work through him, we win that way. I don't know if the Rockets know. Wait, do I do I get the Westbrook takeover? Do Harden take over? I don't know if they have the balance. So I, that's why I think okay, so he can pull that one out. Talking about Denver and Utah, I want to jump to them. What Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray did was special. That was special. 50-point games, both of them multiple times, most scoring by two players in a, in a first round. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, the most points in a series ever, past LeBron's total when he had it against uh, Indiana a couple years when he was in Cleveland. I mean, that was special basketball from two special players. I mean, it was just special. And then I know you said they just ran out in game seven. If you watch Denver, you saw a little bit of nerves. Hey, the, the, the throat got a little, you know, it got a little clogged up. They was choking a little bit, missing shots, not executing. I mean, fifth, they had 15 points the first 15 minutes. Going into the fourth quarter with nine minutes, if they had scored 15 points that whole half. I'm like, that's not, that's not being tired. That's feeling the moment. And I get it. They're a young team. The moment hit. But, hey, they're the better team that match up better with the Clippers. They executed when it counted. Jokic with a little turnaround. The, a terrible layup attempt up by two to give uh, Utah a chance, but they pulled it out. So the better teams there, L.A. and Portland, 
I'm an LA guy, you know, I'm going to Lakers because LeBron anyway, but when, when Barkley made the prediction, it was over. When has Barkley ever been right? <laughs> like you said about Barkley. Then uh, Clippers in Dallas, that was fun. Luca, it was fun watching him. It was, he, was, he was special out there. He was, he was solid. Morris was, you know what Morris does, trying to intimidate him. It was, it was a fun series. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about the East. It was all, what, all sweeps except for one, I think. It wasn't much there. We didn't expect much. I'm expecting better second round. So, you know, now I'm ready to jump on to the, to the next rounds. So, so I, I'm going to say my Luca stuff for later because I got a whole rant about the Luca stuff. But, yeah, we're on the second round. Let's preview it, right? Um, I think you touched on it. The better matchup for the Clippers is Denver. Um, I don't agree with you that Denver choked up a little bit or they've got tight. I really do think there are some things in that game that impacted how they play, one being the little cheap shot that um, Ingles had on Murray. He hit him in the quad, and I don't know how that wasn't a flagrant because you see him moving his leg, and he extends it, and he, that's not a basketball play. It, it, he, he wasn't moving both feet. He moved one foot. Um, so that kind of threw him off. They had a game plan to slow him down. Um, Jokic, he was not really making shots or making plays. I think that's just what you see in a game seven. Like Utah didn't start off hot. They were missing shots, and then all of a sudden they caught fire. It's easy to come from, from behind than it is to maintain a lead in these kind of situations. So that's why the fourth quarter was so special. But all I know is if Mike Conley would hit that shot, somebody yeah, had to lose, right? No, but it's just somebody had to lose. But, man, that would have sucked because you went down and made the, the play that you shouldn't have. They should have pulled out, ran clock. Or if you're going to take it, you got to flush that, dunk it, and make sure you make it a four-point game and you don't care. But you can't do a layup soft. you got to end the game. But, but, I mean, even before that, though, how can your best player – who's the best player of the series for them? Murray, clearly, right? Yeah. He has the ball. Six seconds. He makes the pass. Why don't you turn around and dribble it out? You're, he like 80 some 90 percent free throw shooter. I know he's high. So you got your best free throw shooter taking two free throws. I mean, if he misses one, you're still up three. So you pretty much – you dribble the ball out, you can't lose. The only way you can lose is if you take a shot at him and miss. And they took a shot at him for no reason. So Conley makes that shot – we got a whole nother conversation about Murray's decision-making and then the dude taking it, like you said, that soft layup. So we luckily don't have to have that conversation, but yeah, yeah. they got lucky because they got bailed out because that shot was halfway down. Yeah, that was almost a karma shot. Like, if you're going to play dumb ball, then you need to pay the price. So on to the second round. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. I don't know what the NBA is thinking and why they're doing this, but we're already on game three on Toronto versus Boston. Like, I don't know which one's worse, Toronto not showing up for the second round of the playoffs or the NBA having one series – out of all the entire playoffs, three games, well, two games ahead of every other team in the East. And now we're, they're going to be sitting home resting if the Boston Celtics sweep Toronto. Like, they'll be ice cold frozen in their hotel rooms. We, we haven't even started the Clippers-Denver series. I think that starts later this week, which it should. Thursday. Thursday. And when this show drops, you'll be able to watch that too. And then we got to still wait on OKC Houston, so that game won't be till Friday for the Lakers at the earliest. Um, so, yeah, it's just crazy. So, here we go. I got Clippers Nuggets. Based on what I saw the last 10 seconds of the game seven, Clippers should win this one 4-1. Ooh, 4-1. I was, so, I felt like Jazz would make it 4-1 against swept by the Clippers. They just don't match up well. I mean, it's a simple if you break down basketball highs played. You know, you look at their matchups. You look at the skill sets, the advantages teams have. You know what I mean? Uh, Jokic brings a nice advantage because he's the overall best big man in the series. Because, I mean, Montrez Harrow brings the energy, you know, and everything. And then you got uh, Zubak. He's solid. But Jokic brings offense. Gobert is a defensive player. He won't bring offense. So you don't have a chance to get the Clippers with Jazz. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, the last what I saw of Denver, they're not ready for this moment yet. I mean, that's clear. I'm hoping Murray has a couple games where he gets hot like that and then Jokic can play off of him. And I'm giving it – I've got Clippers 4-2. And, I mean, I'm not going to go into the Clippers. We know what they have. So I give them 4-2. Here's my thing. I, I sit there and I look at Jokic. He can't jump, man. Like, he is a below-the-rim play. He had a wide-open dunk, and he barely got the ball in the rim. Bonus. And, and, you're, and you're telling me Montrose Harrell is going to be leaning on him? The Clippers can be physical at times. He ain't going to want them hands in that smoke, man. I'm telling you, I can't believe in that. So what they what the need is Gary Harris. Michael Porter is also lighting the shorts. How many times was that man on the floor on, in last night's game? He was he provided a spark, but I still don't trust it. I'm gonna go with the veteran ball club, and Denver wasted so much energy to get the second round and get one day of rest only. Yeah, so, that's so yeah, that that first game is gonna be a blowout. Um, 
Let, who would you rather have the Lakers face, OKC or Houston? From a matchup standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, what would you want to see? So, so from a matchup standpoint, I think you go. I mean, I'd rather see them play the uh, Thunder, just because I think Thunder don't have enough firepower, enough of anything special to really challenge the Lakers. Uh, for entertainment, Houston, Houston, you know, the Lakers, great defense. They defend the three well, really good defensive team. Uh, Houston. They try to play tougher defense, but I mean, name a D'Antoni team that you ever said was a solid, tough defensive team. That just doesn't exist in his world. But they'll put up a lot of points, a lot of threes. If they get hot, they can win games. They can make L.A. work. So, I mean, for entertainment, I go with Houston. For the easier series for, for the Lakers, I'll go with uh, OKC's. I, just, I think OKC's a solid team. They just don't match up well with the Lakers. Two things I want to mention. NBA, if you're listening, you need to work on reseeding. If you're the number one team in the West, you shouldn't face the Rockets in round two. They should get the Nuggets, right? That, that should be basic rulings, reseed. But since this is the case, this is where we're at. Um, I want Houston. Now, caveat, Houston, I want Houston because the Rockets fans are arrogant. I had a guy remind me today, <laughs> hey, don't forget, you don't want these Rockets, man. You don't want these Rockets. We beat y'all 2-1 in the regular season. I'm like, that's regular season. Like regular season Rockets and, and regular season Lakers aren't even the same teams. Now, I say this with a caveat because if we get – if we're allowed to play defense on the Rockets, then I want to see the Rockets. If it's what we've seen in OKC, James Harden can fall down, trip over his own shoelaces, and it's a flagrant foul on the entire OKC team. If he can bust through a triple team and trip on his own feet because he was reckless, if he can jump into people's body from five feet away and then get an and one, I don't want the Rockets because that's not worth watching. That's going to waste my time. I like to see CP3 go up against Braun, right? I have nothing but love for CP3. He should have been a Laker. We know what happened there. David Stern decided to change the course of history. But I just don't – I don't believe in this OKC team. They're not sexy enough. They don't have the – outside of Chris Paul, there's no star power. Um, so, from a matchup entertainment, I got to go with Houston. I want OKC to beat Houston, but I don't see that happening tonight. So, it's going to be Lakers versus Houston for me. And in that series, I see that being a 4-2 Lakers series. I'm with you. I'll, yeah, I mean, like you said, for entertainment and for the talent on the floor, Houston would make more sense for the Lakers. But, yeah, I see if Harden plays like he can before the pressure hits, I, I give him 4-2. If not, I give it 4-1 because, I mean, Anthony Davis, I know you say he's light in the pants, and he is, but they don't have anybody even really match up with him. Steve no. Adams too slow. He'll just kill him on the perimeter if he's making shots. So they don't match up well if it's uh, – OKC, and then Houston, Houston's too small as well, right? They're just small. They're not going to do anything with AD. So, I feel, like I said, 4-1 or 4-2 LA. I feel like Portland was a good test for them the first round to get them ready. So, I, I think this next round should be pretty straightforward and we can get the matchup of LA that we already kind of mentioned before. The battle of LA and Orlando. Hey, but here's the thing, though. I'm hoping Rondo comes back because if Rondo comes back, now it's hell on earth for everybody because you put LeBron at ease on the wing. You got the quarterback yes. at Rondo, and you don't see what you saw game one against Portland. Let's move over to the – Eastern Conference. Let's go into the series that's already halfway over. Toronto <laughs> versus Boston. Now, I could have sworn you told me Nick Nurse was a good coach. That's what I think you told me. I don't know how much is his fault, but he's going to go down with the ship. No, you know, you're right. I, Game I, I one, I understand. Toronto was terrible. Van Vliet shot horrible. Siakam was horrible. They didn't, they saw, they seemed like they were there physically, but not mentally. Last night's game, same thing. I, I don't even – I'm not trying to be a hater because I'm a Lakers fan. I don't – it's not that Boston's winning these games because they're impressive to me. They're winning because we don't see that Toronto team we're used to seeing with their defensive prowess and offensive rhythm. And, yeah, and that's what I said. I, you know, I'll, I'll hype those like Nick Nurse a great coach because he gets the most out of his players. They move the ball. They all play defense. They on a string on defense. They all in position to take charges. They move the ball on offense. And um, game one, like I said, I'm with you. I'm giving them a pass. They weren't there emotionally. A lot had been going to the NBA, you know, getting back to basketball first one. Game two, third quarter, what, they went up, what, 13, 15, and, start the, and even start the fourth quarter by nine. I'm like, okay, this is what Toronto does. They, they grind you, get that lead, and they hold it. Siakam missed shots. Van Fleet selling for pull-up threes without moving the ball. I was surprised to watch Van Fleet take a couple of those bad threes. Definitely. Lowry looking for the foul instead of trying to finish. So I was like, okay, now y'all pressing. This is when Nick Nurse kind of call a timeout, calm you down, make a rotation change, adjustments. I didn't see his adjustments, so I'm calling him out on that, even though I still think he's a great coach. That didn't change over one bad quarter, but it put you in an 0-2 hole, which is going to be hard to come out of. But, yeah, I just watched Toronto do everything uncharacteristic of what they built all season and, and sweeping the first round. 
and they had a nine-point lead. And Ibaka's been solid on threes. What are you shooting, 50-some percent for the series? And Around there. Really high in the playoffs. I mean, he was still solid. It's just I watched the starters stop executing. And like you said, Boston hadn't been impressive. And it's no, I'm not going to give them credit. Tatum is doing what Tatum should do. You know what I mean? But they're still missing bad shots. Kimba hitting step backs he should hit. When you letting him get a pick and roll switch to a big man every time, you got to fight through that screen and keep a guard in front of Kimba. You're going to get hit with that step back. Ibaka can't recover from that. I'm watching breakdowns that Toronto had made out year they're making right now. And it's blowing my mind because I'm like, they were the most consistent team. You know, like, we know what they're going to do offensively and defensively. And right now, that consistency, I don't see it. Listen, thank you for all that deep analysis. I'm going to go ahead and shut this down. I got Toronto winning this series 4-3 because I think at some, time, some point they're going to get back to being Toronto and Boston won't have an answer. As I look at Boston's roster, I don't think they have enough. They've got, they play like 12 people to contribute four or five points each, and I think at some point Toronto's going to stop that. What do you think this series is going to be, Brent? I'm, I'm with you, actually. I, I hadn't gave up on Toronto. I'm just giving you the first two games how bad they were. Yeah. But to think how bad they were, they still had chances, and they should they could have won uh, game two. So I, I think Toronto comes back and wins it 4-3 as well. I mean, I, I had them winning 4-1, 4-2 if I had the major prediction before the series started. But now that they lost two, yeah. I, I'm guessing Boston's going to win at least one of the next three or four. So I'm thinking it'll go seven and uh, Toronto win. Because, I mean, they're a better all-around team as far as how they play and the concepts they use. You know what I mean? I'm, I know Brad Stevens, you know, great coach too. But I think – and I think Nurse is better coach for the team he has. So I think they're a better team. Hey, I, I, I got a question. Do you get a paycheck from Nick Nurse? Because you're riding hard for my man. Like man, you, mentioned, man, you hey, mentioned his name more than the NBA's mentioned his name. You, but He got coach of the year too. But you you tried to compare him to Steve Kerr, and I'm like, he don't have the talent Steve Kerr had. So – and I know, like – I mean, when I say Nick Nurse, I should say – But he also, he also was, stepped into a situation where a team that had 60 wins in back-to-back seasons. So it's not like he took him from 20 – he didn't take him from 21 and 59 – or uh, 21 and 51 – no, 61 no. to 60 wins. He didn't do that. He stepped no, into a situation that was already built. And no, it, 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 it doesn't hurt. Player it development. Does, their does, player development yeah. has been good. No, it, their, their player development outside of him has been great. And Ujiri, the moves he's making has been great. So, yeah, I, I guess when I, hype, when I hype up Nick Nurse – I got to say it better. I'm hyping up that whole staff up to the culture. The player development has been crazy from Siakam. Bouchard is going to be a beast eventually. He's going to be a solid player for them, right? And Anobi OG developed him well. Ujiri making the move. So, I mean, let me say this all the way down on the culture staff up to, like, Ujiri. They've been solid. So no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm just saying, like, don't make it seem like that man walked into Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James and turned <laughs> water into wine. He didn't do that. <laughs> he fair. stepped into a fine dining establishment a no and, lose wrote a, and, wrote, and wrote a review saying the food is good. Well, dang, no, yeah. a no lose situation. Yeah, you yeah. Right. He came into a no lose. <laughs> like I, I feel for coaches like um, what's my man Drew Carey looking like down in um, Dallas, or Quinn Snyder or Mike Malone. Like coaches that they haven't had the ability, the luxury of having people bring in talent yeah. to their squads and win. And now Dallas got Luca. Now everybody's thinking, oh Dallas, okay, yeah, you finally got a player. When you get a player, you can get it done. But I digress. Now to the least intriguing season, the it is what I thought it would be series. It's the light skin versus the dark skin brothers, and you know how that's going to go. <laughs> the dark skin brothers going to run my man out the house. Giannis, you just are a regular season puppet, man. You are the Harden of the Eastern Conference. You do not have that sweat. If you don't think – what I tell you about AD and Giannis? I don't need either one of them. I wouldn't send them to the store to buy groceries because they may come back robbed. They do not have what it takes to win. I'm with you, man. And I, I picked the Bucks. I, you know, I think I picked the Raptors. I, I got to go back. But I picked the Bucks to win this series. But I'm going to just say, I'm going to just make a simple statement. Giannis, did you, um, did you ever ask to guard Jimmy Butler? That man said, no. Why would you ask me that? He said, because the defense player here, he said, no, I didn't even think about that. I only do what my coach tells me. Man, at that point, they could have stopped the conversation, the press conference, whatever they were having, stopped. You ask Kobe Bryant, you ask LeBron when he used to pick up Derrick Rose, but Iverson, what, he, what Kobe did against Iverson, your best defensive player says, give me the assignment, he's killing us. He said, I wouldn't do that unless my coach tell what, what? At that point, I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm a little upset. And then Jimmy Butler supposedly gave him a compliment, but he threw a slight. No, he's one of the best help side defenders in the whole NBA. Yeah. No credit to come on. He, he, ain't, he ain't built a lot well, of You've never seen I've got this thing, right? And maybe we'll talk about this more later. But the NBA, you, your Giannis's, they're no longer going to work. Your seven-foot 
point forwards, that's done. And this is why I'm saying for LeBron, if the Lakers are going to want a chip, it, you need a point guard. You're either a point guard is going to get people the ball, or you got to have a Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell type that can score yep. 50 on you in a heartbeat, which would be nice to have Bradley Bill in LA. But I digress. Point is, either you are going to be strong like Jimmy Butler and be a warrior, or you're going to be meek like Giannis. And I'm this series is 4-1 for me. Milwaukee may get one, and it, they may not get one. Now, if we were in regular regular playoff format where you had to go from uh, stadium to stadium, arena to arena. I think it would be closer because they'd get some home cooking. They'd feel good. They'd sleep in their own bed. But with no fan support and nobody to cheer them on, that sink has shipped. We may be looking at Mike Budenholzer getting fired because, again, you win 60 games, you win all these games and get to the playoffs. He's known for that from Atlanta to Milwaukee. We're tired of seeing this. And this is why I keep going with the Nick Nurse thing, with the Steve Kerr thing. You walk into situations that are perfect, and then you find a way to mess them up. So what do you want me to do with that? So 4-1, huh? Man, I got so – I'm with Miami too, just like you said. I mean, Giannis, I mean, he only, like, when he froze against Kawhi last year, I'm like, he'll develop. He didn't develop. So the Harden comparison is fair. Then the defensive comment, I mean, it may have been overblown, but it just, it was, it sounded weak. You, you don't say comments like that when you flitted. You're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything about it, but, but moving forward, I will. You say something with a little more confidence. It didn't sound confident to me. I can't stand when I don't see confidence from a star when you should be. So I got, um, I'm going to go 4-2 Miami. I'm hoping 4-3. I'm, Seven, but I'm gonna go four two right now, just because our game one looked. After if, if we could see something different from the Bucks going the next game or two, I may give Miami in seven. But yeah, I'm gonna go uh, Miami in six right now, four two. All right, well that wraps up the NBA for this week. You know you got to keep it locked to drop the mic. We love covering the NBA, um, and we're staying close, watching, see what's happening. We just want to give you our thoughts every week that this is still going on. <laughs> It's been fun. It's been real. But that's a wrap on this episode of Dropping the Mic Sports Talk, the realest sports talk show, period. Keep it locked. As always, we're glad that you're listening. We're glad we can be the flavor in your ear. It's our goal to give you the latest in sports with our take on it. As always, Dropping the Mic is here for you to give you what you need. Subscribe to our show on, our favorite, on your favorite platforms. You know where we're at. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Subscribe to us every week when we drop an episode. You don't have to search for us. It comes right to you. And you know we want you to interact with us. Check out our social media platforms. Twitter, DTMST6. Instagram, DTM underscore ST. And at Facebook, DTM Sports Talk. We want you to check out our anchor.fm spot for dropping the mic because that's where you, the fan, can rant. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us what you're thinking. When we clown on your team because they're terrible or sorry, talk back to us. Don't go silent, but you got to be brave. This shit waiting for the week. It's dropping the mic. We drop an episode a week. I'm not a rapper, but I know this is going straight to the top because we want you to ride with us. Hi, baby. Brent, it's been fun. It's been real. See you on the other side, my man. <laughs> <laughs>